Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton. Okay, originally I intended to pair this uh, episode that you're about to hear with uh, the Chris Mowry interview, but um, the Mowry interview was uh, good enough on its own that I felt that uh, it, it didn't need the interference of this. Also, it ran a little longer than that. Um, so what you're about to hear is part of a much longer interview uh, I did with a man named Eric Leewald. You might not know that name, but you definitely know his work if you grew up, um, at least if you were a kid in the 90s. Uh, he was the creator of a couple of shows. Uh, one of them was uh, Exo Squad, a excellent uh, Mech Bay show uh, from the early 90s. But his, be- his work he's probably known best for is creating the animated X-Men series that aired on Fox in the early 90s. And he's done a ton of other work. He worked on Gargoyles. He worked on uh, Avengers. He's done, like, the man, you know, he was in Hanna-Barbera in the early days, worked on GoBots. So I sat down with him about a month ago, and fascinating individual. A good four-hour-plus interview, which you can hear over in full over at therealmcast.com. It's in three parts. That way you don't have to sit for the full, full four hours. But one of the things I found out when I sat down with him was the fact that he was one of the writers of the... I don't want to say unsuccessful, but just never gone to series um, Hanna-Barbera attempt at Ultraman. It was called uh, Ultraman USA. And uh, the four episodes were put together as a film and released uh, in America. You can find it on YouTube. In fact, I'll put a... Um, I'll put a, a, a copy of it in the show notes if you have no idea what's going on. But for those who don't, don't, for those who do know about Ultraman USA, it's one of those rare corners of fandom that doesn't really get talked about. It's kind of a, a, an odd obscurity. And the fact that I had the gentleman who was one of the main writers of the project sitting in front of me, I had I, I had to pick his brain about it. So what you're going to hear is about a good half hour segment from the greater interview about uh, Mr. Leewald's work on the Ultraman USA uh, animated series that, you know, never got to, you know, got to go to series. But the pilot does exist. It's out there. It does, you know, flock amongst the fan circles. And, you know, it's an interesting kind of cornerstone of uh, our fandom's history because, you know, Hanna-Barbera produced this thing with uh, Subaraya Productions. So we'll get into all that. I felt that uh, it this deserved its own, you know, little mini episode. Uh, I'm kind of calling this 26.2 in, in the in the, the the show listing. So this isn't a full episode because it's not going to be like a normal, not even anywhere near an hour. But it's a nice little bonus for the end of the month, and I wanted to put out, you know, before uh, we get into our summer season. So with that being said, sit back, enjoy uh, Mr. Lee Wald's, uh, you know, chat about uh, Ultraman USA. Okay, so before we go into that, yeah. let's talk about Ultraman real quick. Oh, yeah, Ultraman. Yes. So, Ultraman USA, uh, known here in America, well, it's known here in America as Ultraman The Adventure Begins. Uh-huh, right. It's one of uh, two animated Ultraman series. Right. There was one specifically animated in Japan that I poured over. This one was going to be Hanna-Barbera produced. Right. And I think uh, uh, it was still animated in Japan somewhere. But it was an American staff working on it for the most part with some with some of the Subaraya people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what we we wrote the script. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've got somewhere I've got the the tape or uh, a list of, but there were four of us. The mm-hmm. two guys that that hired uh, Jeff Siegel and Kelly Ward that were Hanna Barbera three guys that hired 
me and John for me and John Lloyd for GoBots. Mm -hmm. So it was Jeff and Kelly. Jeff kind of got the gig mm -hmm. for Hanna Barbera. He said, "Okay, it's going to be Jeff and Kelly and Eric and John." Mm -hmm. And so it was like Jarek Jolly or something. It was <laughs> we made up a, a name based on the four of us. <laughs> and, so she did see. And, and there were like we broke it into eight acts, and everybody took a couple. I think John took more, took three, and maybe Kelly took one. But whatever it was, the four of us each wrote a section of the of the movie, mm -hmm. and I think John polished it up and 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 said Jarek because they wouldn't allow for whatever business reason we couldn't take writing credit mm -hmm. so we made up this guy made up of our four names oh, okay as as the writer <laughs> and then they came to oops sorry they came to the to us i remember it they had a a, a a private screening at the chinese theater really yeah and handed out little gobot toys and uh and we we met with like the head superaya guy superaya's son mm -hmm. and took him out to dinner and it just was a big. It was a big deal for them, mm -hmm. and we're sitting there watching the movie and realize that they have a scene where, like, this fourteen-year-old guy uh, rapes this thirteen-year-old girl. And I'm trying to remember if it was in that movie or it was another movie of theirs that we were watching the Chinese. Theater. Anyway, mm -hmm. that there's just there's this Japanese cultural difference. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was it. I'm sorry, yeah. we, were, we were watching a, a, another. Another movie of theirs at uh, at the Chinese theater. Something that Super Riot had produced. Yeah, 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 that was it. It had this guy, a kid on a motorcycle, and they end up in a at a cabin somewhere, and they wake up the next day, and her shirt's torn, and you know, okay, well, that's just, and yeah, you just went on with the just, episode. Yeah, they just kind of the hero and the heroine. Yeah, yeah. Just okay, you know, that's just what heroes and heroines do. Okay. Mm. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we don't operate like that over here in the States. Yeah, but we, lo we loved writing for that. It was mm -hmm. great fun writing the action stuff for that. We weren't crazed uh, Ultraman nerds. I've met, I met some since. Mm -hmm. Like friends I've worked with, like Will Mignot on X-Men, knew everything about Ultraman mm -hmm. when I met him. Did you uh, have any knowledge of Ultraman before? I, I had zero. You had zero, okay. I had zero, and John. I know John had zero. I don't know about Jeff and Kelly, but it was... It was new to me. So pretty much, what was Super Riot when when they brought it to Hannah? Was it so Super Riot brought it to Hannah, or was it like a joint thing where Hannah yeah. was like, "We wanted to work with you on something." I believe it was brokered by Jeff Siegel, the, mm -hmm. the again this kind of ex creative executive that I was working under there, and he may have reached out to them, okay, and said, "Well, look, if you want, look, you're, you're going to planning to make the show for Japan. You know mm -hmm. what you, your return's going to be there. We can get it sold in the U.S. market. Maybe mm -hmm. do a VHS tape, blah, blah, whatever." And so, so I think he was instrumental in it. Yeah, because I think at the time um, there was a couple of other Japanese companies that've been doing like international co-productions yeah. like that. I believe Ranklin Bass was actually heavy with. Um, I want to say it's uh, Koei Productions. Uh -huh. They had a. They were co-producing a lot of stuff too. So, and but the thing was, Ultraman. That's their Superman over there. Yeah. So it was. You know, it, it was amazing because it, I, I know a couple of people that had the VHS tape as a kid, but I always thought it was there was another animated Ultraman out that got released over here. Uh -huh. So that was. I kind of mixed those two up until recently. But in my end, show this. I'm like, wait, what's this? You're like, that's the American made. I'm like, what? I sat down and watched. I'm like, this was awesome. And, it, and why didn't he get off the ground? It's like, this is one of those things. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was looking at the credits. I mean, there was some talent. Like, Andre Romano worked uh -huh, on it. Sure. And did, I mean, the, uh, the and just, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, kind of getting all up in my head about it, too. But, it, it, I mean, I was rewatching last night. This It was awesome. The animation was beautiful. The yeah. story wasn't, and it was kind of rare for, uh, especially that kind of stuff where it, 
took it was a very legitimate show. Like the 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 main comic relief was just the three robots. Everything yeah. else was very straightforward and yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah. Try try to make it try to make the action serious and the Jeopardy serious. Although I do, I one thing I did notice, and this is the older you know guy noticing says who's watched a ton of movies. It felt, um, some of the elements felt a little Team America to it. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that you get, had the headquarters in Mount Rushmore. And yeah. there was like a lot of, um, it's, it's, like the poster that was made up for it seemed like it was very rah-rah, sis-boom-ba for a Japanese show. Like, yeah, it's just like, it's Americanized, so. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it had that element mm -hmm. to it. I don't, it, I, I don't know what went into the, into the marketing or even to the decision-making process of, of the story. I think Jeff worked out the basis, basics of the story mm -hmm. with Subaraya and then walked in the room and said, okay, the four of us are going to ride it, let's go. Yeah. So I, I don't remember having any really any input in deciding what the story would be other than, okay, you write 20 pages of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that we, I just I remember it being great fun and the, the dinner with Subaraya when he came over here and having him say, just smiling and say, oh, yes, story is very important. And mm -hmm. uh, characters, yes, but... The most important thing is monsters. <laughs> so, it says, we have files. We have 2,500 monsters mm -hmm. on file for use in future shows. That's what the audience remember is the monster. And I, I remember that. One, that's the one thing I remember for the evening. And yeah, that's, that's the big thing. The monsters are pretty much. They're, they're almost, it's like the Batman villains. Yeah. People remember the villains more than they actually remember the heroes. Sure. Uh, when, they, when they gave you the set, was there like, do you remember there was any... Um, Boundaries you guys had to fall into. Like, did they give you a list of stuff? I'm sure there was. There were. There were boundaries mm -hmm. that were we were told that were looser than say Saturday morning boundaries. Mm -hmm. I honestly, it's been so long. I honestly can't remember what they were specifically. I'm sure, given the nature of the four people that were writing it, we probably pushed to the edge of them. That mm -hmm. we just that's we we want to try to do that to make the, the thing more exciting as opposed to. Being timid or caring or not wanting to offend someone, we would have tried. We would have tried to push the edge. Mm -hmm. So what you saw was probably about as adult and action-filled and violent as they would have let us. It was awesome. And it's just the, and the the monster work and everything is it was fantastic. Yeah. I was rewatching last night after I saw them. I got I got to bone up a little bit on this. Yeah. So it was. Is there? I mean, do you remember why it didn't get picked up? I mean, I, it was made as a movie, but it was obviously you guys it seemed like you wrote it as four. Episodes that got edited together. Well, actually, actually, my my memory was as far as the business side of it. I don't know if there ever was a plan beyond the movie. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it seemed, I think, the reason that it seemed segmented is that it was a rush thing, mm -hmm. where Jeff came in and said, "We have to have a feature script in a month," and wow. and so we need to do it in pieces. Um. I don't know if he was thinking that he would could then maybe split it into four pieces and have four four episodes on mm -hmm. TV, or if it might be a backdoor pilot to get interested in a TV show. I wasn't privy. I was low level yeah. totem pole at the time. I wasn't privy to those kind of decisions. Uh, but you know, Jeff would know. Mm -hmm. Jeff, in fact, at some point, um, I'm sure Jeff's. On, you know, I could probably get you contact information for Jeff. He Ooh. he would he would know that stuff. Would love that. Yes, I'd love to uh, delve deeper into that. Okay. And there you have it, people. Fascinating stuff. Uh, I mean, it's very rare to uh, actually find, you know, someone, especially the people who dealt with, you know, these kind of like projects that, you know, at the time to them, it was, you know, a paycheck. But, uh, you know, to a lot of people, you know, they're kind of near and dear. And especially something as kind of niche as, as an anim American produced animated Ultraman movie. 
So uh, uh, hopefully I'm 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 in talks with uh, uh, Mr. Lee Walton. Maybe uh, delve deeper into uh, in, into the project and uh, maybe shed a little more light on it. Um, this uh, clip only ran about you know, like 10 minutes or so. So to kind of pad things out here, so you're not just downloading like a 15 minute uh, video. It's going to be close to like 20 minutes of a podcast. Um, I'm including a uh, the the interview. Uh, brief interview I did with uh, Mr. Ryui Kitamura uh, when uh, he was in town for the premiere of Lupin the uh, Third for the uh, LA Ija Festival back in September. Uh, I haven't really had a place to put it. Um, you know, it was something I had done originally for the Realmcast, but it didn't really fall into place. Um, he, the story of this whole thing was uh, I went to a press event for it. Um, was there for, you know, the big, you know, to-do, and uh, I got a one-on-one with uh, Mr. Kitamura, the producer of the uh, of Lupin III, whose name excuse me at the second as I record this. So my apologies to him. Um, it's about five, six minutes. We do briefly chat about Final Wars. I wanted to, to delve deeper into this. Uh, I was actually supposed to have uh, another five, ten minutes, but uh, they were running atrociously behind um, uh, that day. Uh, they had... Um, five, six more people behind me, and, uh, the, you know, the one to pick their brains as well, and they also had a premiere that was literally, like, two and a half hours uh, from the time I was sitting down recording with them. So I figured, you know, instead of just sitting in the archives, you know, of my computer, I'd throw it up here, let you guys listen to it. It's mostly about Lupin, but we do touch upon uh, Final Wars, which I know is uh, a tumultuous spot a lot of Godzilla fans, but I figured it would be an interesting listen nonetheless, so I'm including here at the end of the ep- uh, episode. I'll be back uh, to kind of finalize some things after uh, after you listen to this. Okay, so uh, so first off, uh, why Lupin the Third? Why now? Well, as I was saying, it's been always a long time, the, you know, a lot of producers are trying to make this into live action, mm-hmm. but from my, you know, point of view, it's because evolution of the all the technology, you mm-hmm. know, visual technology. So it gave us uh, confidence that can be into live action film mm-hmm. because of, you know, this visual technology. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, amongst Asian country, mm-hmm. I myself as a Japanese felt we sort of left, you know, over. Mm-hmm. Amongst Asian, I mean, Chinese are really doing well. Mm-hmm. Korean are really putting in so much effort trying to, you know, make their thing out of the world. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do something, you know? But not as Japanese, as uh, one of the member of the Asian. Okay. You know, that's how we started. <clears throat> now, uh, Mr. Katora, you pretty much uh, have been called the equivalent of a uh, Japanese Quentin Tarantino. Uh, you were a big indie filmmaker. Now you're actually a big mainstream filmmaker. So, uh, what's it like now? This is your second big property, is it not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what did, you know? Comparing to doing your own stuff to doing like a property, you know, uh, we're trying to find the proper wording for this. Uh, where do you? Uh, where, where? What do you prefer doing more? I guess if I was saying. I don't. I don't. I don't really care because. I never chose, yes, we, we did Azumi together, and mm-hmm. I, I did uh, Godzilla, mm-hmm. right? and I did uh, Clyde Barker's Midnight Me Train, right? Yes. But uh, I never chose franchise mm-hmm. just because it has a huge audience mm-hmm. you know, already, right? Because uh, 
that that is not my motivation. I always choose the one I really love. Mm -hmm. Azumi, I was like, you know, I grew up, you know, reading that comic. Mm -hmm. So first time we, we met, I was like, you know, no, it's got to be me. That's what I said to him, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and even Clive Barker, right? I, I, I'm a big fan of him since I was 17. So uh, always, always, you know, that's the motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Not because this is the best-selling novel, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not that kind of producer, right? He wants to just do the comic because it sells a lot, right? Yeah. So uh, we are not that kind of, you know, we mm -hmm. don't have that kind of motivation. So uh, to me, when I do the franchise, you know, it's always, always something I really love, mm -hmm. right? something I really care, you know, even more than my own baby. Right. My own baby. It's my 100% my responsibility. But if it's you know I'm adopting somebody's you know baby, that's mm -hmm. that's a huge huge responsibility, and I don't really want to do it. But mm -hmm. uh, if I have to do it, I have to do it right. So uh, it takes me more more energy to be honest. But mm -hmm. uh, I know something like Lupin said, you know, how can I say no? I know yeah. it was. I knew it was a, it was it's going to be really challenging. But uh, you know <coughs> somebody has to do the right thing. Then I believe it's got to be us. So. Yeah. Now, uh, compared to, to the Godzilla Final Wars, mm -hmm. uh, you, much like that, you took you shot that movie worldwide as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like the, the the bigger Japanese films that you do, you you seem to uh, like to like maybe expand. It's not just film just in Japan, but shoot around the world. Mm -hmm. Is that just for you know your own liking, or do you feel that you want some like a worldwide authenticity to it, embedded for better? Yeah, films? I grew up watching in you know, Hollywood movies, and I studied filming in <clears throat> Australia, so you know, mm -hmm. I was kind of like an outsider in Japan Japanese film industry anyway, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I did Godzilla Final Wars 10 years ago. I know. You know? So uh, why, why I have to go back to Japan after 10 years and mm -hmm. doing just pure, you know, mm -hmm. Japanese movie? Because there's a lot of talented Japanese director, and, you know, what is the reason he brought me back? So mm -hmm. uh, we thought that, you know, we want to do something challenging, you know. So mm -hmm. that's why we said, like, we want to do the Asian international movie. So... Uh, okay. I'm sorry, man. We're going to have to wrap Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And there you have it, people. You might have heard uh, me talk about this uh, a few episodes back, uh, which would actually be a couple months back. Um, uh, meeting Mr. Kitamura, I actually, I have met him a couple times, but getting to sit down to talk to him was kind of a big dream for him. Uh, I know a lot of people do not care for Final Wars. I personally love Final Wars. Uh, it's it just an insane Godzilla film. Uh, it holds it pretty well for me. I, I mean, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased. I love Kitamura's work. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of his, of like his breakout film versus. So, um, it, I figured what the hell, you know, throw it in here. Something, it's something to listen to. And, and if anything, if you hate Kid Tamora, it's at least you get a better insight into his, um, method of filmmaking, if you will. Uh, you, you can hear me kind of gushing. I was nervous as hell because again the guy I hold him is one of my heroes and again it's not just you know I'm not making excuses for Final Wars I legitimately love Final Wars so um, I've you know, again something to throw out there something to put up just just a little you know added bonus for this what is essentially a bonus episode of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast um, if you haven't listened to the Chris Maury episode please go listen to that the man it goes deep into Rulers of Earth, what it took to get the Godzilla license, and so much more. Um, the only issue is it was on the floor of WonderCon, so there's a lot of background noise. So uh, we're going to try to get uh, Maori 
back on as soon as we can once uh, scheduled permit and uh, we can go deeper into the man's the man's got some stories and uh, I, I, I did tell him I was like oh, we, we, I gotta get this you gotta tell him man you gotta come on and tell him so um, hopefully we're hoping crossing fingers we can have him back on when uh, the final issue of um, rulers of earth hits uh, shelves uh, in the meantime we gotta you gotta we have a lot more coming um, we will have uh, Mr. Ricardo Delgado back in uh, um, our uh, beloved studio pretty soon for a follow-up. Uh, I know we had a lot of people asking about that. He's going to come in. Uh, you know, he's got some some stuff he wants to talk about, and uh, we're always happy to have him on. And then, um, you know, just summer's rolling in. So with uh, the news of uh, the Toho film, uh, you know, movement on Pacific Rim, there's just so much to you know we'll, we got a lot of stuff to 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 get to so uh if you want to listen to the rest of that uh, eric leewald interview you can head over to the realmcast.com it's under our podcast section our regular show you can go find it there um it's uh about four hours all said and done but i've chopped it up into three parts so you can listen to in like hour and a half chunks it's fascinating fascinating as hell to listen to uh, especially if uh, you're like me and you grew up in the 90s and uh, you have a, a fond affection for the Fox uh, X-Men animated series believe me the, the, there's amazing things to hear out of that the it, I always say the the more the most interesting people to talk to uh, instead of the actors are always the writers and you know the, the producers the people behind the scenes because they got the the they they got the usually the real story so they're you know they were there on the front lines uh, for that kind of stuff so if again if any of that stuff interests you head over to the Realmcast um, you know download it there you can find it on iTunes much like you can find this show on iTunes and Stitcher go check it out please leave us uh, a little feedback we we would appreciate it. we would we want to know how we're doing Jessica and I uh, you know we're 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 kind of um, you know our, our egos are a little bit fragile that way we're we went over delivering a good product for you or not um also you can check out more of her work girl on uh the girl on geek.com you could find her also on facebook just jessica saying please remember to always uh inbox her first that's the one thing she asks before you uh you go willy-nilly and at her um but she is the nicest person in the world so you know it is it, not a bad addition to have on your facebook friends uh, as always, like I said, you can find more of my stuff over at therealmcast.com. I got a couple other podcasts going on over there, so if you want to listen to my sultry, nasally voice, you can hear it there. All right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, a special 2.0 side edition uh, of of the show. We will uh, see you in a couple of weeks. So in the meantime, thanks for listening.